just ran over them the full game, you know, scoring overhead kick goals, um, just looked very organised defensively, uh, you know, just well known to have great goalkeepers. I don't think Paymon Hosini actually played in this competition. I'm not sure. I didn't really see him. Uh, I didn't watch the beginning stages of it. I watched the final uh, specifically. I don't think he was playing in it, but they've got two other keepers who've done really well. Uh, and overall, just a great performance um, all around by the, by the team. Yeah, whenever that time comes for that World Cup this November, we'll have to keep uh, keep uh, follow along a lot more, especially some of the main players. Uh, they deserve a lot of uh, credit for how they've performed. And we've talked about them in the past uh, for you know some of their gestures that they gave. But this particularly about uh, the football, magnificent, just completely blowing away the competition. You know, they showed some great braveness when it, when it came to that uh, moment. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was last year. Uh, just, just you know, I think it was before the end of the year. When they did that celebration with the, the hair cutting, I don't think that guy was was actually in the squad. Um, Said, um, can't remember his second name. Uh, I don't think he was in the squad. Uh, he, I'm not sure if that's the reason why he wasn't in it, but you know, I, I would imagine that is the case. Uh, so, um, you know, hopefully, uh, these these players get more attention going forward. Yeah, and we'll be at full strength as well. Uh, all right, another housekeeping item. Asian Football Confederation confirming the pots for the Asian Cup 2023, in which Iran is, of course, in pot one. That draw uh, scheduled to take place in Doha on May 11th. Uh, pot one compromising, uh, comprising uh, the reigning champions, Qatar, along with Japan, Iran, South Korea, Australia, and Saudi Arabia. So that means... All those countries I just named will not be in the same group. Pot two, including the likes of Iraq, UAE, Oman, Uzbekistan, China, and Jordan. Pot three, you got countries like Bahrain, Syria, Palestine, uh, Vietnam, Kyrgyzstan, and Lebanon. And pot four, including India, Tajikistan, Thailand, Malaysia, Hong Kong, and Singapore. And again, this is set for January of 2024. I believe at this point we still believe it's going to be uh, in Qatar, right, guys? It's been, yeah. it's been it'll be in January uh, 24th. Right. So, uh, so it'll be a bit a bit farther back from previous Asian Cups. The uh, last few Asian Cups, they were six months after the World Cup. This is a full year after the World Cup, so a little bit different. Than all right, moving on then. The first friendly that we saw of Team Million, the first action back since the World Cup. It was a, it was a uh, draw against Russia in uh, Azadi Stadium. One-to-one -one goals by Miranchuk. The Russian threw a penalty uh, given uh, away by Ezotolaki, fouling in the penalty area, and then Tarmi equaled it up short shortly after in the second half. Uh, it was a bit of a, a a mixed lineup of majority starters from the World Cup. We had Baron Van, Rezaian, Kenani, Khalil Zadeh, Haj Safi, Guli Zadeh, Ezotolaki, Nur Arkan, uh, and then Mohevi, Moganlu, and Tarimi to top that out. Bit of a, a mix in the lineup. Ari and I discussed a little bit in the Twitter spaces before the match. Uh, how do we think that played out, guys? I mean, the reality is uh, it was a kind of a necessity to play these players. There was pretty much, uh, you know, a lot of players missing in the squad. So we look at that, that lineup as, as full strength as it could get. I think Jahan Bash had a slight 
uh, injury or, or illness in the first game, so he, he couldn't play. But you know, I think he opted to play four four two. So naturally, he's going to play two strikers. To naturally, going to play Mohanlo and Tarimi together. Osmond missed the camp uh, for personal issues. Um, not going to get into it more than that. I don't think it's fair fair on him to get into any more than that. But he got in. He was personal issues, so he's not play, He wasn't the squad. So Mohanlo was the the kind of third choice striker in the in the squad, so he played alongside Tarami. Um, I think he opted for Nur Afghan in the middle next to Syed. It's a bit of a strange option since Nur Afghan's been playing at left back for most of his time now at Seth Barnes for the last couple of years and for the national team. Uh, but other than that, it was a pretty much uh, as you as you can uh, the best you could have that that day for this for the lineup. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's nothing much to add to um, to what Adios said. I think in terms of the game itself, Mohandu was, I think, he was playing at a level above what he can offer. I think the role he had was interesting, but the execution wasn't wasn't quite there. Ezatuloi was particularly disappointing for me, and you know, for a player that we've, we've talked about for you know for so long down the years in terms of his talent and what he brings and what he can bring. Is he still playing the second division of Denmark? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're going to get promoted, but he's still playing there. Yeah. So you know, you, you can see that, that there are still glimpses of his talent, but I think physically he's he's kind of um, out, out of form, and um, he gave away the penalty as well, which was a really clumsy challenge, and, and he looked like someone who's not sharp, who's not quite match fit, with a very kind of on time challenge and, and it was it was a really silly error to give away and in video games obviously we'll, we'll end up being punished yeah. overall and but we missed a lot of chances in the game we missed a lot of chances uh, but other than that there's not really much much to take away from it again considering that Russia didn't quite have the best team outs either so I think they played a lot of younger younger players so good experience but not not much you can take away from from that particular game I will add as well on, on side, you know, you, you can, I mean, Russia's team, not the strongest team that they played. Obviously, they haven't played really competitive football for a long time. As we know, the world situation, they're, they're, they're at war with Ukraine and they've not been allowed to play by, by you know, the people in charge of the of world football. So, um, you know, this, this was their first competitive game and they didn't play that well, Russia. Uh, and Saeed, you know, having played at the level he, at, he is at, uh, you know, in Denmark's second tier, he he looked like a guy who's playing in a Danish second tier, you know, against Russia, who weren't even that strong. You know, that seemed as a bit of a it's a bad look on him because you expect him to play against a Russian team. You know, he, he also played in Russia for for a little bit as well. He should go out there and, and, and do well, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, and I think in general we expected more from the veterans of the World Cup in terms of just overall execution. I, I don't feel like we saw enough of Haj Safi uh, leading from the back of Ezatolai, like you just mentioned. Um, but uh, positives, like, like you said, uh, Mohedi, 24-year-old who plays for Esaglau right now on loan from Portuguese side Santa Clara. Uh, another positive in the match, so many chances created. Say what you will about all the, the, the mess with the coaching situation. But in the first match, speaking just for the first match, the ch- uh, chance and opportunity creation uh, was was fantastic. Can't complain about that, except when you get down to the finishing. The finishing was not up to standard. A bit 
uh, a bit of a double-edged sword there. So with that being said, just from looking at the, the tougher competitive match, which was the Russia game, was 4-4-2 the right answer uh, moving forward? Um, I mean, look, I think it's, it makes sense on paper because you've got two top strikers, Tarimi and Osmo, and you want to get them on the pitch. Uh, you put them together, you know, hopefully they'll do something. It worked in qualification for Skocic. Uh, not always, you know, sometimes it was like almost like an over-reliance on them where they were the only ones doing anything in the game and they kind of got us through matches. And I felt like the formation, although it worked for them, it didn't work for the rest of the team because we don't have a particularly strong midfield. You know, playing a two in the middle, you need two guys who can be very good in all parts of the game, defensively going forward, open the game up. I don't think we've got that, you know. So um, it works for Taremi Osmond. I don't think it works for a midfield. Um, But it obviously worked in this game when it came to creating chances, uh, which is good to see, you know. We created chances and we did get there. We got to the final third. We we got in good positions to score goals. Unfortunately, this time around, they couldn't finish it, which is like normally the other way around. We can normally get there and finish it can actually create a lot of chances, but this time we could, and we couldn't finish them, which was a disappointment. But um, I personally speaking, we'll come on to it. I don't think uh, a guy like Mohan will... So with Mohan, I mentioned earlier that um, he has a he had an interesting role in the team in the sense that he was dropping deep quite often when we had the ball to receive, to play one-twos. And I think that works out quite well, although he's probably not the right player to to do that with so and, and again having Mohebi who was, was very interesting and also Olizade on the right they were the main reasons why we created so many chances I mean Olizade every time you watch him play he, every time he gets on the ball he looks like he's about to do something and I think that works out um, in any formation that he's played you know whether he's on the Kairos playing a 4-3-3 on the wing or, or, or now in a 4-4-2 so I think we would like to see more of him but also with 4-4-2 off the ball in order to minimize the space that you give to the opponent, you have to play a lot narrower to, to close down those spaces. And I think we got caught out a few times, um, especially in the first half where Russia could receive the ball between our defensive line and our midfield line. And in those situations, again, you either play really narrow or one of the midfielders usually drops a little further uh, just to protect the back line. So I think there's room for improvement there, but as Olio said, you know, when you have two world-class strikers like Osmond and Tottenham, who you will be relying on to win games, um, you will need to find a way to play both of them up front. And whether that's 4-4-2 four, four, or playing with three at the back, he's got options. He's just got to use his friendlies and make sure he comes up with the right strategy. Well, yeah. in, in some games, you might not have Tarami uh, converting all of his chances. He definitely did it against Russia. He scored the penalty, yes, but... I mean, man, you really expected more. I, I was waiting for him to just completely break out and get two straight successful finishes in a row or something, but it didn't pan out. He, 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 didn't, he didn't see him himself. No, and, and it wasn't just him. I think even Mohebi, I know we, we were impressed with him, but again, if we are to rely on him on, on the biggest stage, there needs to be more decisive action in terms of the dwelling on the ball a couple of times or when he gets to the final moment, they were almost too casual. You know, the shot was taken really kind of late. It was a very late back attitude when they got into the box. And obviously, you can't play, you can't afford to play that way, certainly next January when the Asian Cup uh, comes up. I would assume with Galo Noi 
with the way he played uh, against Russia, he knew that there would be chances there, uh, especially at halftime, he knew that chances were there. So that's why maybe he let up a little bit uh, on those defensive gaps, like Cena, you were just mentioning. Uh, so it was definitely the mentality or I guess expectation that this match would end in a victory going on, going based off the opportunity. It should have been at least three, four, one, but it just didn't turn out that way. Well, I mean, I think that the player that really kind of always seems to have a, a good game for the national team, especially in the last few months, is Rezogna. You know, he's somebody who I think has really uh, come through since Kairosh came back for that little period. Uh, as he's become a very top player again. You know, he, he had a little bit of a, of a bad spell in Qatar. He was playing the striker for, for Al Salia. And he was really um, the same player he used to be, but now all of a sudden something's changed for him, and now he's a he's an important player. We see that you've seen it against uh, Kenya. We'll come on to later as well. Uh, so it's good to see him there, and also you have Moharami on the bench as well, and he played against Kenya. So in in that respect, in the fullback area, especially at right back, we've got options, and maybe this formation, maybe even a three at the back would suit them too, because you know they're natural kind of forward going players so maybe that would suit them and you could fit players around them to, to kind of impact but um, I don't know if that's Galanoi's uh, thinking but we'll, we'll see what happens you know there, there are still, there, there were positives to take against Russia they're definitely positives to take um, I'm not sure he took them into the Kenya game <laughs> you know I'm not sure that those positives were actually taken into the Kenya game which is a um, a little bit worrying. Um, and also negative as well is that Kone Zadeh, as Sina mentioned, very important player, is now injured. He sustained an injury to his meniscus. He's going to be out for approximately one month. So, you know, um, another one that's a bit of a, a damper on the situation. Samson, you also mentioned Nurakhan. Uh, was it was it you? I can't quite remember. Uh, playing yeah. the central midfield. Um, I've been saying this for the, for the last couple of years, that he's a natural successor to Arsafi. You know, Al-Safi started at a very young age at national team, played left back, played left midfield, central midfield. Nur Afghan, not a key player. I shouldn't be relying on as a, as a starter, but he's a good utility player, certainly when it comes to tournaments to take. He can fit in a, a, a number of positions. And also, yes, he plays left back for Sepahan, but he can still do a job in centre midfield. Again, comparing it to Al-Safi, for example, in the 2014 World Cup. The lead up to that, Paj Safi was playing on the left hand side with his left wing back, left back himself. Uh, but then in the World Cup, he was he was playing a central role. So with these players who are, who are quite versatile, it's good to try them in different positions and, and to kind of keep them around the squad. Because again, when it comes to tournaments where you have a limited number of players that you can take, players taking someone like Nur Afghan who can, like I said, play in two or three different positions certainly works in everyone's favor. خطر روی دروازه ما یه ضربه با پای چپ که دقت کافی رو ندارن و از جمله لژیونه های فوتبال کنیا در خیلی که بلژیک بازی میکنه یه حرکت رو به جلو خطرناک بود حرکت با در جاگیری خوب عمل میکنه باز هم برای اولونگا یه حرکت تکنیکی از اولونگا اعتقاد داره اونجا به روی اون خطا انجام شده مدافع ما اولونگا اولونگا میزنه و دروازه رو باز میکنه دروازه رو باز میکنه عرض کردم شناخت او از فوتبال ما در رقابت باشگاه آسیا در رفت و برگشت باز هم یه بازیکن کنیا روی زمین آفساید نیست موهبی نیم کی صورت تماشاگرا موهبی حرکت میکنه دور میزنه منتظر حرکت دیگه میمونه از هم تیمی آش میفرسته کوتاه و رضایان 
رو دستش قرار میگیره موهبی یه پاس به عقب یه فرصت عالی رامین رضایان مستقیم میزنه داور نقطه کرنر رو نشون یا حالا رامین رضایان میتونن استفاده ببرن چجوری داره دفاع میکنه کنیا چونی که داره خودشو آماده میکنه یک دگرگونی اساسی و عرض کردم عرض کردم ما باید به گل میرسیدیم و یه ارسال خوب و محبی که بازی قبلی چند تا موقعیت خوب گلزنی داشت موقعیت هم خلقت اینجا سکوها رو اینطور غرق در شادی میکنه گل مساوی رو زدیم در یک بازی روی زمین حرکت رضایان با پای چپ اشتباه و توی دروازه گل دوم برتری داشتیم حقمون بود و حقمون هم رسیدیم کار تمرین شده ترکیبی و البته اشتباه ماتاسی اینجوری ما رو خوشحال میکنه و پرشمای کشورمون یک بار دیگه ساکاری اشتباه میرفت گل دوم رو برای کنیا در پی داشته باشه و به نظر بله hosting Kenya, the 101st ranked team in the world. Not the toughest competition, but you get Russia one game, then you get uh, uh, an African team in, in the next. Good to you know, test out uh, rotation of players. And that lineup was uh, Niazman, Moharami, Kainani again, Sohravian, Hajsafi again, Jahan Box steps in, Ruzbe Cheshmi, the, the uh, Welsh Golasso giant that he is, uh, Karimi, Mohibi, Mogalu, and Tarami for the top. Um, goals by uh, the captain for Kenya, Olunga. Uh, it was not the best moment for the defense. We're going to get on that in a second, guys. But uh, Mohibi with a great header to equalize. And then the own goal uh, created by uh, Rezaian. Uh, was Rezaian that created the, the, the force the own goal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forced the own goal by Matasi, uh, the goalkeeper. Was, was, he tried a, a ground pass across, went straight to the goalie. Fortunately, bounced right back off of him and into the net. Um, so, yeah, just uh, it's a reaction to that. What, what, was Kenya better than we expected or was just? Was it just one of those bad nights uh, for the combination of players that Iran used? I think we underestimated Kenya a little bit. I said it before the game as well. I think Kenya have a couple of decent players. Um, you know, for example, Okumu, their centre-back, uh, plays for Ghent, had a decent game. Uh, their striker, Olunga, has, is well-known to cause Iranian defenders issues. Kanoni and Kaizade both faced him. He's got something like 30 goals in 30 games for his club in, in Qatar. He's an unbelievable goal-scoring form. And actually, down the road, uh, Man United uh, were looking to sign him. Uh, there was rumours that he might go to Man United. So, um, you know, he's a player who's who's got a bit about him. Um, and as you mentioned, he made Sora Beyond look very silly uh, in that situation. It was... Um, it was not a good look. I mean, he face-planted on the, on the floor. Was that his first cap, guys? Yes, it was, yeah. It was, well, he's not his first call-up. He's been, he's been in the squad uh, since Kairos's first uh, stint. And obviously, under uh, Scottish for a little while, uh, he was called up. And then, um, obviously, got a debut on the Bayern League. But, yeah, it was not a good look, was it? I mean, <laughs> the face plant on the halfway line, 
against Kenya, you know, be it a guy who's scored a lot of goals is not a good look. Knowing that you're the last guy, and if the ball gets yeah. past you, it's a but also breakaway. on top of that, Samson, you mentioned Sorabia, but also Canoni. And if you go to the video, if people are watching on YouTube, you know, in that situation, you've got to be more aggressive. You've got to go and win the ball. And I know you're the last man. You, you, you know, you think you're you're trying to hold the game. There's no one recovering. If there's no one recovering, trying to help you out, you've got to commit to the tackle because you've got a goalkeeper in goals who might save it. If you let him get close to goal, you're giving him a shot at goal that's going to be easy to take. If he's a little bit further away from goal and you put a tackle and you win it, you won the ball back. You know, if you don't win it, at least you put him on the pressure. His shot might be a little bit wonky, might be all over the place. You get put a bit of pressure on him. He just stood off him for like, you know, 20 seconds, whatever it was, and he let him get in the box and shoot, which isn't good from a guy who had a good qualification, obviously didn't play in the World Cup, was a little bit upset about it as well, put on his Instagram, uh, you know, feelings as well out there. So um, overall, not good defending in that goal and deservedly conceded because it just wasn't good enough. Well, it wasn't just that as the only bad moment. There was a lot leading up to it uh, in the first half, Cena, and then right, uh, and then in the second half, just nothing materializing. No passes, no, no cohesive passing in the attacking third. Unlike the Russia match, and it 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 brought the vibe that they were just inviting Kenya to have some kind of promising counterattack, and that is exactly what happened. It's the rule of football, isn't it? You know. It, if you, if you allow the opposition the space, if you take it easy, regardless of who it is, whether it's Kenya or any other country, they will get a chance. And um, I think Iran were a little bit more, again, laid back, a bit maybe complacent. And as already said, Olunga has been terrorizing the Iranian clubs in the Champions League for the last few years. And maybe it was about PTSD for, for Kanani as well, having, having failed to stop him over a number of times, uh, at this time at Pest Police, are probably in Qatar as well, where he's playing right now. Um, but as earlier said, you know, he was caught in no man's land where you know you're not you're not pressurizing the attacker, you're not necessarily closing the space either. Um, so it just makes it easy for the attacker. And, and as far as Sorabian's concerned, look, I think we also again that he's he's a player that is uh, out of out of place almost, you know, he doesn't belong in that level. It's not an issue. Um, I say it's not an issue in the sense that that's exactly what the friendlies are for. You know, you bring in players that you think can help the team, and, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So the key thing is, now that we've seen him play such a poor performance, because it wasn't just that particular error. There were a number of times where on the ball, he was giving the ball away with poor decision-making. And again, from a defensive side, he almost, I think, scored an own goal as well from a, from a free kick. So, again, I... What, what should be taken away from that performance is players like Sol Rabion shouldn't be involved uh, in the camps going forward. But putting that aside, there was no um, game plan as such on the ball. You know, it was, Ivan almost found it really difficult to bring the ball out of defence. And I think in these games where, yes, Kenya do have a couple of key players, but, you know, we're not playing against the likes of Japan or South Korea. But this is a team that's on average, has lesser play, players than us. And as a team, they've not been playing for since since when? Since 2017, 2018? Kenya. Yeah. They've not played since 2021, 2020. November 2021, the last qualification game. So, again, over a year. So you're expected to go in that game at home to stump your authority. So, yes, we came away with a win. But in these games, the results doesn't matter as much as the performance does. And although we did end up winning the game on 
a set piece and yeah. on an own goal. The performance lacked throughout throughout the team. Feels oh. like a bit of a Arya. It feels like a bit of deja vu. A couple of us on Twitter are talking about the uh, comeback win against Lebanon in the World Cup qualifiers. It seemed no. uh, like a really similar match. I was going to say that because it's an, an interesting one. You know, it's a positive from a mentality standpoint because we've come back and won a game where we were one 0 down. It's quite rare. I actually never done it under Carlos Queiroz. So to do it on his first game, it's sort of second game. Galway is good, but it's against Kenya, so it's not particularly impressive. But also, I will add, um, you know, he, he overall, as I said, there are positives. It's a friendly match. You know, why do we do friendly matches? It's about preparation. It's about understanding your team. It's his second game in charge, so he wants to understand who he has available. And obviously, as I mentioned, we had a lot of players missing this camp, right? Let's not forget that. You know, we had Majid Hosseini missing, Ali Karimi missing, Sardar Osman uh, so on and so forth. Quite a lot of players are missing, right? So ideally, he would have a much better squad. So he played players like Mohamed Karimi, who had a good performance the first half, looked good on the ball. Uh, you know, he's always been quite a good player, in my opinion, even when he was playing in in the PGPL and for Sepahan. I remember one season he was top 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 assister in the PGPL. Then he got seven assists or something like that in one season, which is quite a lot for the PGPL. So he did really well and actually recently scored against Persephone's as a last minute goal, he won the game. So he's doing well and he's got his start. But then he came, but then he was taken over half time. And who came on for him? It was Milad Salak, who I've been saying this for a long time, shouldn't be there. Similar to Sora Beyond. You know, these are players who I know what you know, as you know, I mentioned, yes, it's a friendly, he wants to test players out. You're not testing someone out, and you've already seen how not so good he is. You know, Sora Beyond was one of his players at Gold Gohar. You know, I understand he wants to give his own player a, a chance, but you should understand what level he's at, you know, if you're seeing him week in, week out. In my opinion, Sorabion shouldn't be there, even if for a friendly match, but he is. And then Salak comes in, not particularly impressive for Mohamed Karimi, who probably needed 90 minutes, you know, in this game. Uh, didn't get it, and he's still giving 90 minutes to guys like Mohebi, who didn't really need it. Um, Moralo didn't need 90 minutes in, in my opinion in this game I think he came off at like, like 91st minute for Asadi so overall it's like um, just a bit strange just some, some of his on-field decisions but you know, I hope that there are improvements uh, in, in, the, in the camps going forward we will speak about that um, but they were positive, again Rizal had a good game where you, got, you got the assist for Mohebi which may have been offside um, you know, there's some images that make it look like, like he is offside, Mohebi. Um, so there are positives for sure, but there's definite negatives there that need to be addressed. And what about the established guys, Kenani, Hasafi, Tarami in the Kenya game? I was waiting for them to, to kind of lead the way. You know, it's mixed lineup, some new guys. They didn't necessarily step up either. No, and look, I agree with Daniel that there's a lot of plays missing. But having said that, you know, the, the backbone of the team is still there. The backbone of the team is still playing. You know, Kanani and Khalilzad have been playing together, firstly, for many years at Pespolis, and have been playing together for Team Mendy for the last three or four years, barring the couple of months that Kairos was in charge. So, you know, there, is, there shouldn't be, for example, lack of communication and not, know, not knowing what the other person's habits or traits are. You know, these two have pretty much, you know, through their professional career, built a really good relationship built a very good relationship on the pitch. So, yeah, they were overall very disappointing because, as you said, you, know, you would expect those guys to step up. And 
and maybe at times grab the, the new guys and show them the way to say, you play with, with this mentality or this, this is how you should structure the game. But uh, there, was, there was none of that. And the, look, if we approach these two games and if we sat here in, in another parallel universe where Iran beat Russia 3-0 and then ended up being Kenya 5-0, everyone would be uh, raving about. But at the same, but what we have to understand is if that happened, it doesn't necessarily mean that Ghanenoi is the answer to all the questions based on two games. And now that we sit here with, two, with a acceptable performance against Russia and a disappointing one against Kenya, at the same time, it's not the end of the world either. So there's got to be a balance in everything. I think between now and the Asian Cup, through the friendlies and the competition as well, which I think Audio is going to discuss very shortly in, in the summer, um, it's across that period which we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have an idea of how Valenu is going to be or how the, the new setup is going to be, not, not based on two performances, like I said, whether it was the best performance in the world or the worst. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that pretty much, uh, you know, covered what I was going to ask. You know, we had, we've had these two initial matches uh, to start off the Yalanoi era, only a few weeks after he was hired, less than that, uh, after he finalized his staff, which includes the likes of uh, former team elite uh, captain uh, underneath Temur Yan. Was this enough to give a judgment on him? Um, you know, it's um, it is early days, of course, it is. You know, I think everyone will say that, but. What is the objective of this national team? The objective is to go to the Asian Cup and perform well. And how that's what, eight months away, nine months away? So, you know, it is early days, but it's it's not also early days because you've got to get started quickly. Uh, his contract is a short-term contract that may be extended. There are some rumours that he might extend it before the Asian Cup. But at the moment in time, it's short-term. And short-term contract means you better get onto a good start as fast as possible because if you don't, then the team isn't going to be as prepared as it should be. You know, our next friendlies are in June, which is three months away, two months away. So, you know, it isn't, you haven't got a lot of time with the team. The ones after that are in September and then you've got December and that's it. You're, you're in the Asian Cup. So what is the objective? They're, they've got to be prepared early. They, they, they've got to... So what, is the, what is the aim goal that they're preparing for? When the Asian Cup. Win the Asian Cup. Hundred percent. And we think that Valenoy is going to win the Asian Cup. That's the thing. So, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. I don't think with this team that we've got. Is it is it bad that we're chuckling right now, Arya? No, but but you know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I think that the, the federation put it out there like it is a like it is their objective. Like that's what they want to try and do. But then when you can't bring in a coach that can provide that objective to you, you shouldn't make it an objective. That's the problem. They set expectations not knowing what level they're at. Uh, and unfortunately, at this moment in time, um, this team is not prepared, in my opinion, even to compete against Saudi Arabia, against uh, South Korea. South Korea, would, in my opinion, they would smash us. In my opinion, I think they would smash us the same way they did in, in Seoul when, when, when we played them in the qualification. I think Saudi Arabia would beat us. I think Japan would beat us. I think Australia are really becoming a good nation in the last couple of years. And I think they would be us. And I don't think Iran can compete with that. So the objective for the Federation is to win the Asian Cup. But for us, we know they're not going to win the Asian Cup. No, no, absolutely not. So I think we need to take that into consideration when we look at these friendlies because 
I completely agree, and I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. It's he, he needs to hit the ground run. You know, we have we don't have a lot of time, so technically they should start the preparation, and this should give us an idea of how Asian Cup's going to go. However, we know even if I don't know he's given three years rather than one to prepare for an Asian Cup, it's very unlikely to win it. So I know it's a very silly question, <laughs> which I don't really have the answer for, but again. What is the objective? Because we're not going to win it. So are we just going there to reach the semi-final, to reach the quarter-final? Another repeated episode of, of the Asian Cups that I've seen in my lifetime. We reach the quarters, yeah. we go out in penalties, probably to South Korea again, or reach the semis on, on a one-off occasion and then lose to lose to Japan. So and, and again, there are, and I don't I don't want to keep dragging this conversation, but you know, you look at you look at the squad. The squad you could argue that is good enough. You know, we don't lack talent, but then there is got to be a difference. You know, you, the the manager makes that difference between a good squad, or even a very good squad, to a top squad to to be able to win a tournament. And Alenoui is not that guy, and that's not a criticism of him. It's just you know, when you look at his resume, he doesn't really kind of read confidence. I will add one thing. First and foremost, we haven't won an Asian Cup since 1976 right before the revolution a long time ago right this is a long i mean you know not we were, were never like we were little embryos we weren't even that you know what i mean so we you know what i mean so so to us that is nothingness right um that that time the reality is we haven't even come close to winning i mean yes we've got to the semi-final but we we got beat by japan you know let's be honest with you i don't care how the game went they, they were we were nowhere near the final the way we played against Japan. The the point is, the in my opinion, the Asian Cup at this moment in time shouldn't really mean a lot for Iran because it doesn't really doesn't really have a lot uh, of historical meaning to it for this team. The only thing that does is the World Cup because we've done we've had some success in the World Cup when it comes to you know playing against the top teams against Portugal, Spain. You played really well in twenty eighteen. So the real objective is the World Cup of 2026, right? That's the that's the real objective. There are, I mean, we can, in my opinion, the Asian Cup is a fake objective. It's just there because it's there. You know, we we're gonna we're gonna go to it. Let's might as well try and win it. That's what it's almost like. A benchmark. Yeah, it's just a it's just like a little stepping stone. So the reality is, we need to prepare our team for the next World Cup. And the only way they can do that is at the moment in time, the federation, we spoke in the last podcast, need to be preparing for who comes after Kalinui. And if they're not doing that, if they're putting all their eggs in the Asian Cup's basket uh, to hope that he wins it for them, that's a mistake, in my opinion, because, again, that's not the real objective. And, and we'll, we'd find ourselves in the same position that, where we've been in the last couple of months, except with one year less to the World Cup. And then just back on sorry, back, back on the friendly matches, you're speaking about young players, you know, you speak about bringing in a new generation of footballers. We didn't see a lot of that. So again, it, it looks to me like Galen Louis is taking this objective of World Cup very seriously because he's still playing players who relatively are in that kind of prime years, you know, people who at the moment in time are really playing well. He's not looking for the future. So that's not that's not the plan right now, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I was gonna ask about. There are some reports of uh uh some dare I say dysfunction or just really weird uh 
approach to the training camp of what was going on. Uh, Sina, Aria, can, can you touch a little bit uh, on that for those who have not yet heard? Well, <laughs> there were some reports, well, more than reports, there were some whispers uh, that um, players such as Hasbavi, such as uh, Eslami, who got called up, young players, players who are uncapped. Well, Hasbavi got his first cap against Russia, but he played like two minutes. But the reality is some these players in training are being told to, to sit out and watch the training from behind the goals or from the sidelines and uh, observe the experienced players train. As if they're watching a, a world all-stars match. Yeah, as if, you know, you know, um, Hasbub is going to learn from Khalid Zadeh, you know, because he's got some fantastic defensive skills and, and Cannon is going to show him how he's professional and, and these things, you know, learn from these players, you know, watch them play because, you know, they're very, very experienced and they've been to two World Cups. And, yeah, I'm obviously being sarcastic, but the point is, if you're going to call up a player to a national team, what are you telling this player? You're telling him that he is ready to play at national team level, right? Even if he isn't, that's what you're, that's what you're telling him. So you cannot then sit him out and say to him, okay, you're here, now watch these players play. That That's not what you do. That's not, not, national team level isn't, that is not national team football. That is basically you calling up somebody just because you want to, for whatever reason, show the world that, you know, or show, show the country that, you know, you know, Javon Gary, you know, you're trying to like, you know, you know, show your young players what, no, that's not what you're doing here. That is not, that is what U20, U20s are for. That's what U21s for. That's what U23 is for. That's not what that senior national team is for. Senior national team is the best players getting called up and playing. Right? Am, am I wrong? No, and I, I agree with, the, the overall point that Oreo makes. I don't necessarily disagree that he can't bear anything from Khalil or Kanoni because, you know, these players, again, although, yes, they're not good enough to play at a World Cup, but they're still at a higher level than those young players are at this moment yeah. in time. Yeah. So I don't necessarily agree with that. However, you know, if, if Balanoi was bringing in, let's say, the under 15s, under 16s national team and say, right, guys, you sit and watch the, essentially, the adults, the senior team, and learn from them, learn, learn how they train. I can accept that. That, that, is, that is good. Yeah. But, you know, if you're talking about players, regardless of the age, whether 19 or 30, that are already playing at a level where majority of the national team players are playing, which is in, in the domestic league, and they've showed to be at a good level, they've put out some good performances that they deserve to be there, then, no, they're not that lower level to sit on the side and watch. They need to be involved. If you're trying to get them to to get back, um, to to improve and, and to maximize the experience, you need to train with these guys. They need to play at that. They need to be able to train against Mehdi Tarami, who's a, a Champions League quality footballer, against Jaron Marche, a, a player who played in the Premier League. Not not to stand on the sideline. And what are they what are they gaining really? Because they could they could do that. I mean, has we doesn't has we play for full on? Yeah, regularly. Yeah. Where he can where he can watch Ashton Dejaga who's probably technically still better than some of the players you've got in the national team. In that same team, they've also got players who played in La Liga, the Spanish players, and they were coached by Javon Nekonomso. So they're already getting that experience of of watching these guys and then training with them. So why are they not good enough to train with the the national team? Um, I will add as well, you know, if you're a young player, right, let's say you're 19 years old and you've been called up, you know, obviously you're going to be excited. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be on, on a high getting called up. 
when a player comes, when a coach comes to a player and says, observe and watch, right? I guarantee you, young players don't actually do that. No young players are going to sit there and start observing and taking notes as if it's like a, you know, like a, like a university degree. You know what I mean? They're not going to do that. You can say that. You can, you can, you can, you know, happily say that to anybody. No one's physically going to do that. You know, especially if he's older, he's 24 years old, he's a little bit more experienced, he's got level head, sure. Young players, especially a guy who was captaining the U20 team, he scored two goals in the Asian Cup, he isn't going to do that. So you have to, young players have to play. Simple as that. They have to be given chance, especially in training. That's very important. Uh, so Karanui, unfortunately, uh, from what I've heard anyway, hasn't done that. He's let players, he's, he's wanted players to sit off and, and, and observe and watch. Um, and he's also, you know, uh, just kind of not disregarded them. He still played them, you know, two minutes against Russia, but that's not that's nothing, you know what I mean? So so for me, he needs to do more in that respect. Well, you talk about young players uh, missing uh, valuable time in training and, and playing. Uh, we also saw no game time uh, for some veterans such as uh, Nur al-Laki uh, and Vahid Amiri. Now, Nur al-Laki, 30 years old. Vahid Amiri, 35 years old. Uh, so I, I would assume this is not as surprising. He hasn't straight up said, no, he's, they're not in our plans for the future. But nonetheless, recall it didn't get playing time. Yeah, it's a bit surprising. You know, Norla, he's been ever-present for the national team for a long time and surprised didn't play any minutes in these games. Maybe he's not part of Adam plans. I don't, personally, I don't think by Damiri, I didn't even know, he, I actually forgot he got called up by, by Damiri. I forgot about it completely that he was called up. So, you know, that he didn't play was not much of a surprise until I saw it afterwards. Um, but, you know, um, it is what it is. You know, it's, uh, they are older players, so maybe that's good. Maybe it's good for guys like Noor Afghan to come in, as we mentioned. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. You know, it's, it's not a problem for me. You know, what do we want to see in these next few camps? We already touched on, we only have, well, less than a handful of, of camps before the actual Asian Cup. What do you want to see uh, differently uh, in these next camps? We didn't have Osman. We, we, we touched on that. We didn't have Saman Khodus. We yep. didn't have Syed Manesh. Very key, potentially key players. Ajit Hosseini. Hosseini. Defender. I mean, yeah. we didn't have Abid Zadeh. We talked about that uh uh, b- before, I, I mean, what so what needs to change personnel and uh, mentality and in training camp? I think, look, in terms of the, the training camps, what you would want to see or what you would expect if you were the manager is you know you want to try other players in, in certain positions to, to see how much depth the team has. The best way to do that is to have. I think from the 11, five, six players who are guaranteed starters. So, you know, you, you are talking about the likes of, let's say, for example, Reza Young, Tarimi Azmoun, Zatullahi, maybe Jao, Mash, Khulizadeh, you know, a, a good group of them starting and then playing lesser experienced, younger players, players that you think can have a potential of helping them alongside them. Because it's only in that environment of, of playing what you would expect to see in the Asian Cup that you can see whether they can help the team or not. If you play a younger player with another 10 players who have not even made a debut for the national team, what are you really learning? Because they're not really going to play. They're not playing the players that they would expect to play with come the Asian Cup. So 
I think a mix and a balance is always the right approach. Um, and I would expect more of a, a, a kind of a, a, a better tactical game, whether it's on the ball or off the ball, a better strategy than, than what we witnessed um, against, I mean, in these two friendlies. And also, you mentioned something earlier that I think is a good point. You know, what if Tardemine is having a bad day? Or what if Osman is injured, which was the case of when he had personal issues, etc.? You can't predict what's going to happen in the Asian Cup. So what then? Are you going to then stick with playing two players up front, even though the second-choice striker isn't going to be anywhere near the quality of Osman and Tardemine? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to try a different formation? A, a plan B as such, you know, maybe play three in midfield, see what, what kind of combinations work. So that that's what it comes down to for me, you know, maybe playing one game with what you would expect to start with, with a couple of new players, and the second game being more experimental with a new formation, new tactic, and seeing how that how that goes. You know, regarding, again, our strikers, you know, obviously Osman was missing, we called up Moralu. You've got Ansari Fard there, and I know we're speaking about young players, but I, I don't see how Ansari Fard doesn't make this squad still. You know, he's still he's still scoring goals for in, 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 in a separate league for Omonia. He scored against by United, the Europa League recently. And also, look at the, who's called, he brought in Asadi, who was a defender for a little bit for Turaktor, and then he played in midfield for most of his career for Saipa, obviously. So, and obviously now he's He's playing for Paris Police, but and as a, I think as a striker, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Territor, sorry, territory, yeah. And he was at Paris Police for a bit as well, but he was a territory again. Uh, come back, but now he's a striker. Um, and he called him up over Ansari Fard as a striker, which is a bit. And I know he's scoring goals, he scored eight goals or whatever it may be, but it doesn't make any sense. You, Ansari Fard is by far, by far a better striker than Asadi. By far better striker than Moranlu. Moranlu, yes, his top goal scorer in the Persian Golf Pro League doesn't necessarily mean it should be getting in the squad. You know, Shabba Zadeh was scoring 20 goals a season for Sepon a little while ago, and he wasn't getting called up, you know. So it, in my opinion, being the top goal scorer in the PGPL is not a good thing for you then, then to translate to call-ups for the national team when you have guys like Zahedi who plays in, you know, plays in Europe that guys like Ansari Fard playing in Europe and then you bring in an Asadi. So that's just one point. Um, and then obviously, as I mentioned, future camps, we, we want to see players like Shekhani playing, like Hossein Dadi playing as well, who's obviously playing regularly at Charlevoix, got three minutes of game time or, or 10 minutes against Russia. Not enough, in my opinion. So I want to see in future camps play players who either deserve it, who, who we know will provide us good performances, and don't play players that we know for a fact now that Shorabian and Shaya Bohalmo are not standard for the national team. But also, you know, I agree with you that Ansari Fan arguably could get into the squad, but, you know, we've talked at length over how we need to move past these guys. The only way to move past them is to try new players. Ansari Fan come to the Asian Cup could very well be in the squad, yeah. and, and that's fair. How would you, until, until Mohamed plays for the national team, how are you going to know he's not good enough? So was say, there's a lot of examples. You know, you talk about Mortezokla Yanji, who's playing set defensive midfield for Nakate Iran when he was initially drafted into the Iranian squad, and then he, he became one of the main centre backs for years to come. So, yeah. Uh, although I agree with you, I think Ansari Fadi is still good enough to be in the squad, but yeah. that's the point. 
we can't we can't request the likes of Hussein Zadeh, Karimi, mm. and all these players to play without anyone getting dropped. Uh, well, Adi, I think you're right. You know, the, you know, the, the you, you need to see if someone's good at, until they actually you know, they've played. But the problem is we haven't got a lot of time, and the, the more time you we waste experimenting with players like that, the more the less preparation we get for the Asian Cup if that is their objective. So. I'm trying to play it in their hands, you know, them saying that the objective is the Asian Cup. If that is the case, then you can't waste time experimenting. If that isn't the case, and the objective is to go to the World Cup of 2026 with a, a stronger team that we know who's good and who's bad, discarding the bad players, then then this is what you should do. But I don't think that's the case for the Federation, at least. So, um, yeah, I, I, well, again, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of time to go. Uh, still, but it wasn't a great start, let's be honest. It sounds like the national team could use some good analysts. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, which Don't get me started which, on that, Samson. Okay. It's for, for, for all who have not seen, Arya put out a, a, a good tweet that generated a lot of traction, uh, calling attention to this issue. Uh, Ali Kamangari, the Barcelona online school analyst who presumably presumably we haven't heard from we haven't heard all sides here but i mean that's just just what is on public social media what is on i mean that's the resume that was presented presumably paid 400 euros for one of his certificates which that and his iranian media work uh during the world cup apparently earned him the a spot as the national team analyst Arya, I think you uh, know a little bit more on this. You also had a tweet, as we mentioned, as you can see. Uh, Arya, care to catch us up to speed on this uh, for some who aren't as familiar with the situation? Yes. Um, the, the facts are that Ali Kamangari, he is a guy who uh, did journalism work for Varzeh Seh, who are the publication of sport in Iran. Uh, the, he did uh, work for their um, publication for a long time, uh, creating analysis uh, uh, around surrounding the Persian Gulf Pro League. He made videos, uh, not but he was involved in making videos about the, uh, analyzing the, the players in the Persian Gulf Pro League, the teams, and also he wrote articles um, for various um, publications like Tarafdari in Iran, and also Breaking the Lines, which is a, a foreign, uh, an international uh, scouting network um, that, that, that writes articles on players on, and from various leagues in the world. So he's done, a, he's done quite a lot of work journalistically involving that analysis of players. Now, he's had some experience within club football as well, with Messer Afsan John, uh, working for a couple of months uh, at that club uh, as an analyst. So that's, that's you know, decent experience, but that's the experience he's had at club level. Uh, and that's, that's, that's him as a, as a foot, from a footballing standpoint. Uh, externally, he's, he's been a veterinary student uh, for a few years, studying veterinary university. So, you know, he's um, done different fields, which is you know, totally fine. You can do that. Uh, but the problem I had, right? Now, this is not a problem that I don't... He might be a great analyst, by the way. I've said it before. He might be, he might be, he might be a fantastic analyst. Not a problem. The issue is is when it comes to standardizing the position and the, the roles and the qualifications that people have. You know, in world football, okay, now the, we're talking about national team football. World football, if somebody wants to apply for a role within any field, especially within coaching or, or scouting or analysis, 
you must have an accredited qualification from a governing body that is that's that FIFA or whoever it may be, AFC, UEFA, have governed and have certified that is a legitimate qualification. Reason being is because you have to make sure that whoever's working for the, your, your club, your national team, is got a minimum standard of qualification and knowledge that that meets this, the tri- criteria of your country, right? That's very important. I know it doesn't seem important for everybody. It's very important because if it does, if you just bring some randomer in, you can't guarantee he has, and he might be good, but it's very risky. And it also states a bad, it, it's, it's a bad present for, for future because someone else can just easily do that and come into the national team and they, they may not be as good. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying he's a bad analyst. What I'm saying is this sets a bad precedent for future people applying for this role because his role as an analyst of the national team is vital. It's extremely important. Uh, just very quickly, you know, being an analyst of the national team means you provide information to the head coach who doesn't see the players every week. So you've got to be on the ball. You've got to provide information that's good. That's that's good source of information coming from directly yourself or your team of analysts that are providing the coach with the players' uh, performances, how they do for their clubs. These things are vital for the national team, probably more so than club teams. So um, his role is important, no doubt about it. The problem is AFC's badges, I've said it on my tweet, my follow-up tweet, they don't hold enough weight. They don't hold enough um, credibility in the footballing world. You know, UEFA badges hold a lot of weight, you know. You, you know yourself, Sina. You know, they hold a lot of weight in world football. AFC's, not so much, you know. And the problem is um, he doesn't have that. So he, he has a job now that is world football related. It's national team football, potentially World Cup team. Um, and he's got a Barcelona certificate, which isn't a legitimate analysis qualification. It isn't because you could get one from Real Madrid, from Bayern Munich. You could get one from anybody. That isn't that doesn't make any sense. That's just not a qualification that you know anyone can do it. I could apply for it. Guy off the street can apply for it. That isn't a qualification that's legitimate. You need to be uh, either registered to your governing body and then apply for the role, and then you've got it, or you 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 qualify for it. You do the course, you assess for it, and then you get it. Not just some random Joe doing an online course for four months and then getting a national team job. So that that's an issue because you know if let's say a new coach comes in and the next analyst has the same qualification, he gets a job and he's not as good. You know, we can't we, we can't identify who's good and who's bad. So that's the, that's the issue I have. I mean, I, there's not much I can I can add to that. Audio is absolutely right. Um, I'm not so hung up on the qualification parts because we can't expect everyone to have UEFA Pro licenses, and even they, even though they should, the federation won't be able to afford to pay salaries for UEFA Pro licenses just to be an analyst. So. Yeah. I can, I can understand that part. However, if we put aside the qualification, you would need someone who's got the experience. You know, the experience makes up for the lack of qualification. And, and clearly, this character, this person doesn't have that either. Now, the question I ask is, if on his social media, he hadn't put Barcelona, Barcelona qualified analysts, would we have known about this? No. We wouldn't. The reason I say this is because this is not the first time. It won't be the last time. This has happened down the years for the last 40-odd years. 
nepotism and favoritism in Iran has been, again, it's been underlined and highlighted so much in every industry. And to expect football to be different is, is almost, is, is, is a bit silly. So although absolutely right, we should have professionals, people who have the right experience with the right knowledge, you know, it, it, I can guarantee you on the, every single regime in Iran, in, in terms of every single footballing, uh, football manager or, or um, federation president, this would have happened. Someone behind the scenes working directly with the national team would have been there underqualified and would have been there undeservedly despite Iran. I can guarantee you there would have been, I can't, I can't remember, is it Mehdod Khamban? Is that, yeah. is that Very good analyst. Um, I'm sure he doesn't have UEFA, UEFA licenses either. Uh, I think he's got AFC licenses. So th th that's, and that's, uh, that's the point. And also, to, that you don't necessarily need to have UEFA licenses for you to be yeah. good quality for Iran's level. Yeah. But this person doesn't have either, and I can I can also I I don't think he'll be the only one right now either. I think there'll be other ones who just don't know. That. I will add there was another guy who who was also the analyst under Skocic, also Iranian. Uh, he got the job at um, Leuven at um, at uh, in Belgium where where Coverezo was playing. He was analyst under Skocic. His name was Mehdi Hosseinpour. Um, he's a performance analyst. He's been coaching, uh, not, co not coaching, he's been involved with the U23s, the U19s of Iran, U17s of Iran. He's been involved uh, for a long time with the national teams. And then you got a job under Skocic. And then after that, he moved to Belgium when he recovered as I was playing through his contacts. But he still got a job because he's got the qualifications, the experience to do so. So we do have good Iranian analysts, you know, to say that we don't is a bit of a, it's not true. We do have it. They just haven't done the research, the, the federation to get somebody who actually deserves a job. Um, and whose decision is it to hire these guys, to vet these guys, well, to interview these guys and to give them a job? It's a very good question. It's the coach's job, isn't it? It is the head coach. Well, the coach's job is to get his coaching staff in and make sure his coaching staff are, are, are up to par. The federation are the ones who are going to pay for it. So both of them, really, both of them need to kind of, uh, do it. The federation need to know what they're paying. In in other federations, there's usually a technical committee, let's say, mm. who makes these decisions. So they would be the ones who appoint the manager and also appoint the other members of staff. When they bring in a manager, they usually ask him, do you have anyone else that you want to work with in terms of coaching staff? I I don't think every manager would choose every single analyst in the team, but there's usually some kind of, like I said, technical team who, who makes those decisions. Mm. I don't expect Iran to have anything professionally as close as that in place right now. So I wouldn't be surprised, like Audio said, it'd be a mix of Federation and Galileo. And, and Federation wouldn't want to pay over what they have to. And it's very likely this guy would have been recommended to Galileo to say, hey, we have this guy, um, this is what he does, mm -hmm. etc. This is who we know. And Galileo would have totally accepted him. Under last point, under Kerosh, the, the analyst was Jao Paishero, um, who is a very experienced analyst. He, he, he might have seen it, the pictures where he had the, the cameras set up uh, for the training sessions. And uh, I met him in Austria as well in the, in the camp. And he was, he was actually sitting at the stand, um, sending feedback back to the coaches with a, a headpiece. Um, that's standard for any club to do that. But, you know, very professionally done. Um, and well, he couldn't have been the only analyst. They would have been no, usually at, it was at least three or four It was Yeah, it was. He was, he was the head analyst. So, point being, um, you know, he was a very qualified analyst. Um, whether or not he did a good job, it's a completely different story. 
it's about the it's about the the principle if you're going to hire somebody they have to have qualifications or experience if you have neither you shouldn't get a job it doesn't matter if you're great at your job you know i'm i can say oh i'm a great coach it doesn't make a difference I'm not qualified enough to coach a national team. I'm not experienced enough to coach a national team. So I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? So it's, it doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. You know, he's got the job. So hopefully best luck to him. I hope he does, good, I hope he does well, right? But uh, he, he didn't deserve it. Simple as that. As we continue the next couple months, uh, the next uh, group of matches that Iran will be preparing for, it'll be uh, after the club season ends. It is the... Uh, I guess inaugural uh, the CAFA -A uh, tournament. Are we calling it CAFA? CAFA, yeah. CAFA. It's a Central Asian Football Association holding the first tournament in 2023 for June 21st or 9th through the 21st. It's all six member associations are going to take part Iran, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Afghanistan. Uh, and Russia has also been confirmed. Uh, for their participation. This will be uh, in Uzbekistan, by the way. So in Uzbekistan, uh, they're hoping to get one more Asian team. But yeah, nonetheless, it'll be eight teams, uh, a mixture of competition for Iran, the toughest of which Russia they've already played. Um, what do we think about this uh, from a distance? So obviously, we're going to do a preview on it when time comes. But what do we think so far of this? Well, I mean, obviously, Iran used to play in the WAFF right the west asian uh competition that's not the case anymore they came out of that so now they play kafa which is uh involving obviously the central asian teams uh they had competitions for youth level uh for a long time and this is the first senior competition that will be um played in june uh russia will be involved so a, a decent team there um it'll be interesting you know it's, it's always good to be guaranteed matches right <laughs> Good to be guaranteed comp uh, comp competitiveness, you know, and for Iran because they can't always guarantee to get more than two friendlies. So the fact that they, sure. they guarantee that is good. Now, the level of competition is not good, but that's something that, that, that different story completely. But um, does it does it does it qual does it um does it qualify as a as a preparation for the Asian Cup? Um, you know, I don't know. I think any competitive football, although yes, you know, the competition is not going to be that um, that important, but it's still competitive to a certain extent. And I think that's that's always good. Um, putting aside Russia, Uzbekistan is going to be there, which is always a you know, they're they're a good team, they're a good quality Asian team and team that we we may very likely face in the Asian Cup as well. Um, and the difference in quality in the tournament means you can do what we mentioned earlier, that you know, you you um give chance to younger players to players maybe who are not that experienced but at the same time you get to see the more experienced players the, the the team that you want to play in the asian cup against good quality opposition so i think it would be it would be good for the national team if if used properly and uh, maximize this potential it'll be nice to win it <laughs> when's the last no, what, no, what is don't the, your expectations to, to here is a good here's a good trivia question what's the last trophy team millie had um, was it WAFF? Yes, but also if you go yeah. further back slightly, one that I remember it was celebrated a lot in Iran. I think it was the Asian Games in the year 2000 right. yeah. in Busan, 
where Iran beat, I think it was Japan, and Ivankovic was the manager. So that team would have been, and, and you can get this confirmed, but I think it was an under-23s team with three players um, over 23, and we won that game. And I remember it was it, it was a big deal when it happened. And it was part, I think it was also part of the reason why Ivankovic ended up getting the job after Blazovic, because he was the assistant manager who was given the, uh, the senior role for that particular competition. Mm. Well, speaking of uh, players getting trophies, there's a good chance Jahan Bach might for Feyenoord. Been doing very well uh, 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 for his club. And Azmoon, uh, was it three goals in the last uh, four matches, guys? Yep. So uh, definitely, we definitely don't want to leave that out. That is, uh, that is uh, very good news. Yeah, Jahan Bach did really well. Got assisted today as well as a recording. Azmoon scored last night. Uh, hopefully that translates into national team form. Uh, Jan Bach didn't play particularly well against Kenya either. So overall, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, there's, again, lots of players missing, lots of improvements to be made. Um, so yeah, not tentable. All right. Um, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap this thing up? No, it was great to to be sitting next to, to Sina today. Uh, and um, I did offer him tea and coffee yeah. lots of times, but... Well, the ultimate goal is to, to one day have all of us for, for one microphone or one place for an episode. That would be awesome. I don't know that how we do it because we're always using, using Zoom. We don't know how we would actually set it up, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure the, out. The, the harder part is getting Samsung to visit the UK. That's the thing. No, we need you guys to come to like Los Angeles or better yet, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I am. Let's do that. <laughs> you want to fly out four guys to the states rather than you coming to the UK? Yeah, that's yeah. a bit selfish. Nah, yeah, I'll, I'll bet I'll get yeah. some Ryanair tickets. Well, yeah. me, me and the other two seniors will organize something though for sure. That will be that's one of the um the things we should have we have to do. Uh, this or year. or we can all meet uh for the Beach World Cup in Dubai. Who knows? <laughs> now, uh, but uh yeah uh well for all those who stuck with us uh, through the end of this episode we really thank you for watching especially on youtube if you get the chance please subscribe to us it really helps us out as well as maybe donate on patreon uh we're always uh welcoming uh anyone to take to become patrons it really helps us out it sets up good episodes like this good microphones good editing systems uh and uh, it ensures a good future for both is to keep you up to date with all things uh team elite and football in Iran. Uh, so uh, as on that's on top of, of course, the usual social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we post updates to uh, Legionnaires uh, and, and the latest news for the national team. So uh, that's it for now. Uh, Aria, Sina, I really thank you guys for taking part. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, we're also going to have Airfon back on about the, the Christian Golf Pro League at some point, so just stay, stay tuned for that. But yeah, uh, good to, to speak about the national team and hopefully uh, things get better going forward. Thank you both and thank you Samsung for, uh, for hosting as well. Always an amazing job. Uh, yeah, thanks guys and we'll see you next time for another edition of The Design. Hello, my name is Ali Golizadeh and you are listening to Golbazan Podcast.